Hello and welcome to The Faking Of. This is the podcast where we dive into the semi-true behind-the-scenes stories of the movies we love and we love to hate. My name is Nick, the unaccredited internet sleuth, putting together the backstage stories for us today. Uh, And today we are covering the 1997 Nickelodeon movie, Good Burger. And I just want to say up front, no offense to my dear friends, who were guests on past episodes of The Faking Of, but they are horrible, useless creatures in the wake of who we are talking to today, a bona fide actor from countless incredible TV shows and movies, and uh, who I first knew as, of course, Robbie Shapiro in Victorious, one of the most memorable Nick shows from my childhood, Matt Bennett. How yeah. are you doing, Matt, in the oh. age of the Delta variant? Uh, actually, pretty good. I got a COVID test a couple days ago, and it came back negative. I had been That's hitting the up best news. a couple. I went to a concert, and I went out to a bar. So after that, I was like, I definitely have it. And uh, no, the vaccines work. Please get vaccinated. I'm with you on that. And I also am with you anytime I enter a crowd of, like, seven people, and I have a tickle in my throat the next day, I'm like, well... Time to write my will and testament, but... Yeah, how much of it is seasonal and how much of it is you're going to die tomorrow? Yeah, the hypochondria is real with this. And I cannot tell you how excited I am to be diving into the Nickelodeon universe, which has kind of been sorely underrepresented on my channel. But at that, I have to ask, how did I get so lucky for you to volunteer to talk about this movie with me today? Yeah, um, I, I, you know, the YouTube algorithm loves you. I think it's because I worked with uh, another YouTube channel called Pretty Much It. We were doing audio commentaries. And so I was watching their videos and they started recommending me yours. And uh, I just was consistently impressed that not only do you put out two videos a week that are like 40 minutes, 50 minutes, an hour in length, but that they're consistently funny. It's very hard to make me laugh. And I was consistently laughing so when I saw you do uh, a new video segment where you were uh, bringing guests on, I was like, oh my God, I want that to be me. And uh, you did one of my favorite movies, which was Josie and the Pussycats. And not only am I a big Josie fan, I have props. Uh-oh. My friend painted me, my friend Lulu paints frogs and she painted me a du jour frog. Stop it. Yeah. That is and, so cool. And so my, uh, my friend Matt Cohen works with Seth Green and he got him to sign my du jour seven inch and he got Breck and Meyer too. And they signed it as, uh, uh, Bennett, that's my face. Stop it. That's Seth. And then he got Breck and Meyer to say too bad. Your mama didn't give you a good face. So he told me that they, uh, they swore they would never sign another one of these. So this one is, uh, not only a collector's item, but super one of a kind, one of a kind. That is incredible. See, this is the kind of, Rubbing elbows, Hollywood connections we get now that we're talking to a real actor. To Matt I, Bennett. That's right. Yeah. You know, all the all the Breck and Meyer stands over on your YouTube channel. They're gagging. They're gagging, quaking, shaking. You should cover Rat Race. Do you ever see Rat Race? I did. I remember it ending with a Smash Mouth concert. Yes, it does. It does. <laughs> um, what a time yeah, capsule. Well, I think it's one of it's one of like a million movies from the '90s, early 2000s that ends with "All Star" by Smash Mouth. They they crash into a Smash Mouth concert and have to end up giving their money. 
to charity. Oh, poor. There's something about ending with um, a Smash Mouth song that just enhances your chances of getting a sequel greenlit. You leave the you know, the audience leaves and they're like, "This is the best." Yeah. Yeah, it's, um, it's the it's one of the I think it's one of the best songs of all time. As a kid, it was as mysterious as like a Bob Dylan song. You know, I judging yeah. by the whole in the satellite picture, I'm like, whoa, that's deep. What? Yeah, Why like I don't get it, but I'm picturing it, and it's like helping build. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I that's really so like true. That so so Rat Race is a great uh, recommendation. I'm gonna put that one on the list. Mm-hmm. Uh, was there anything Lodian movie, but no, probably not. But what, there, you also mentioned Clock Stoppers, which had a yes. profound impact on my life because I was obsessed with Bullet Time Camera forever after the Matrix came out. So that was um, that's on the that list movie, too. I had mentioned that I went back and rewatched it recently. It's not very good. So I'm a big <laughs> Jesse Bradford fan, or as you called him in the Joseph and the Pussycats review. Um, uh, Jesse Metcalf. Oh that's, yeah, that's a big gripe. You also yep. said that. Uh, so I, 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 before we did like a pre-roll where we were talking for the people watching, I said I have gripes about the Josie video. Um, you said that uh, Harry Elfond and Deborah Kaplan, the first movie they directed was Never Been Kissed. It wasn't. It's Can't Hardly Wait. Thank Just you. So you know. um, oh my gosh, these things matter to me. No, yeah. Important. I, I appreciate you saying it because you're giving a voice to the people (laughs) listening who are like screaming at their podcast app being like, you don't even read Wikipedia properly. You just like name the movies. There are literally dozens of us. Dozens (laughs) who care about Can't Hardly Wait. It's a good movie. No, I, it is a good movie. And I don't know why I always confuse it with Never Been Kissed. Uh, There's just like a similar look, I guess, to them that, and maybe just like the age I was when I watched them both. I think that if you like fell asleep, like you watched the first half of Can't, Can't Hardly Wait and you fell asleep and woke up in the middle of Never Been Kissed, it would make sense. It's yeah. That's the 90s curse. All the movies, they just kind of blend together. They're all similar in tone, similar in feel, similar in look. Yeah. And it created all of these sort of like, plot devices for teen or young romance movies that sort of still permeate like like i just saw the he's all that mm-hmm. new yeah, reboot yeah, yeah. and it's like it's it's all very much still there right but no, we, we, we have so a far down the rabbit hole of copy after copy after copy of the same thing like i i am a copy of uh like jesse brad no more like um jason biggs you know like, okay i'm on that trajectory i'm like, right another in a long line of you know half jewish you know average white men (laughs) i met a casting director once who was like you you uh could be on tv but you're you would never be the leading man you would be like the best friend and i'm like the gay best best friend Uh, and he was like no you could straighten out your voice (laughs) i don't have the energy i can't even straighten out my spine right now so every time they're like can you do an accent can you be british i'm like do i look british like even (laughs) if i could do an accent are you gonna cast me as a british guy no (laughs) i'm about as long island as it gets you know yeah let's stick to the states yeah there's not much range i'll try Hollywood loves to put people in boxes and that's why I th- I'm glad we're talking about a uniquely 
a unique movie today with all that. It was the only live action TV segment that Nickelodeon ever put out that was made into theatrical movie. Every other Nickelodeon theatrical movie to date was that was based on a show was an animation. So, and it wasn't even based on a full show. It was based on a sketch within a show. But they've been doing now like uh, Legends of the Hidden Temple. They made a live action. They made a movie out of it, even though it was just a game show. So right, is that a TV movie? Yeah, I guess so. Yes. Okay. Sorry. I think I'm thinking theatrical. I might not have said that, but no, you did. I don't see. No, no, I don't see many theatrical Nickelodeon pictures. Really, I guess actually that's not true. That can't be true. I'm not seeing them, but they're out there. Um, you know, it's it wasn't a, it it didn't go as far as maybe like an MTV film. You know, yeah, Nickelodeon's much smaller. Their pictures are much smaller because it's under the Paramount umbrella. So yeah, why not just put it under the name Paramount Pictures? That makes sense. Like I remember Snow Day. That really made my dreams come true. I'm I, so movie. I'm pretty good friends with Zena Gray, who was the young girl in it. And I always quote whenever I see her, I quote, uh, "Was it's Doctor Ector, Doctor." I, don't, I just love that. that <laughs> those are the best things when you know someone who was in a movie. You're like, I don't know why this one line sticks out to me, but I just mm-hmm. have to keep saying it all the time. Yeah, um, yeah. Like actually, story. the victorious, the your pup, Robbie's puppets said it's fair and balanced about Fox News. Fox News. And that's, yeah, I just remember that forever being like, I like this show. But I also was like, super jealous of kids who were on TV at that time. So I was like watching people like you being like, I am in Les Mis, the high school version. And I did that this, too. There, I did so, Les Mis in my high school. So I, I really loved the representation of like theater kids on Nickelodeon oh, or like sweet. performing kids. So, you know, that always the, felt great. That's the funny thing about being on, on a kid's show. I wanted to be on the generation before mine. I was in love with like Hannah Montana. I loved um, High School Musical. I saw High School Musical on tour. So I wanted to be oh, part yeah. of that. And by the time I got on Nickelodeon, we were so far past it. Those kids didn't want to have anything to do with it. But I did find... So th- one of the other funny things, I've started DJing. I have a DJ gig coming up on Saturday. I don't know when you're going to post this, but um, now I'm seeing these kids are nostalgic for things that happened concurrent to me being on Nickelodeon. They're like, play Big Time Rush. And I'm like, I know those guys. I don't know a single Big Time Rush song. Like, if you want me to right. put on some OG Hannah Montana, I got you. But I don't know. It's it's just weird. Um, I don't know what our age difference is, but I... I do I, from Wikipedia. We were born just... Uh, we were both born in 1991. Oh, okay. So you... But so you're on the older side of the demographic, but still in the demographic for people who are watching... Nickelodeon. Yeah, exactly. Like I, by the time I was watching Victorious, it was like I was not the target age group. I was just like really into the soundtrack, and I, I loved the humor. And I went back and I and I loved Hannah Montana while it was on. Um. So, but I mean, all that is even more ingrained in my mind from the early 90s through 2002 that first kind of iteration of it so to see this movie like expanded upon from all that as a kid it like just really it fit in with my cognitive puzzle pieces so this movie like 
I just love it. I was surprised by the budget. Do you want to guess what the budget was that they list on IMDb? uh, uh, It was $8 million. Yeah, exactly. And at first I was like, where is all that money going? And then I'm like, well, it's all shot on location. They have so many car scenes, like car wrecks. Did you notice that? Yes, uh, there's a lot. Uh, You know, I've had had conversations and I have books and um, with just like, about Nickelodeon and or kids television. And there are certain things that kids get, you know, a funny line will only go so far, but a car, oh, zany car crash. Look, it's a hamburger car and it's crashing, you know, Ed's yep. in the, uh, in the uh, strawberry smoothie machine. It's, you know, these are obvious and make sense. So that's why they, it's not that it's an easy joke. It's just, you know, visual humor makes a lot of sense. Yeah, it's so true. And as I was watching this last night, I kind of was like, oh, this balance is actually kind of finely tuned because there's pretty funny wordplay, the jokes and the delivery that Keenan Thompson and Kel Mitchell, did I get that right? Kenan, yes, I hope did. I didn't reverse. Okay, thank you. No, I would correct um, I've, the, already, I, I've set a precedent. I've set a precedent. Please I will do. correct you if you make a mistake. And I need you to. Um, but their delivery was so great and I think the casting was so amazing. And... and do you think that this movie was a good expansion on the sketch that we got and all that? Like, do you think it was necessary and added a lot? You know, so I read complex did, uh, did an article three or so years ago, uh, with Keenan and Kel and the producers, you know, Brian Robbins. And, uh, they talked about, um, how, what, what a surprise success this sketch was. Um, yeah, I think they really did a great job. What was the original question? I'm sorry. Do you think that like this movie was, it did the sketch justice and like expanded on it in a clever way? Well, they, they had said in the article that they, they knew that Ed was like a knockout success, but they weren't sure what they were going to do with Keenan. Now Keenan and Michelle had already started. So they were at a loss. They're like, they were thinking about making it an Ishbu movie. Ishbu was one of uh, Keenan's characters, like the foreign exchange student. This right. It's going to be Ishbu and Ed. But I really think that they did a great job of getting Keenan in there naturally. Keenan is such a great straight man. Um, and, you know, I think that it worked perfectly. I think that their dynamic worked so well. It's just a. I natural, completely agree. Yeah. Natural, like, natural thing for them. Ishbu, who I thought was hilarious as a child, obviously would not have probably aged too well. And I think that Ed, like Ed and Ishbu in a movie together would just be like, this is tiresome after 90 too minutes. Crazy. Too crazy, yeah. too fast. But yeah, like I when I watched the movie for the first time as a kid, having watched Keenan and Kel and all that, I, it, it just made perfect sense. The, the dynamic still felt similar to what Keenan and Kel did on their show. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, the, I thought that casting was great. And then, of course, the supporting cast is incredible. Um, you know, I, I can't remember if I first saw Sinbad in this movie or in First Kid. Do you remember First Kid? Yes. The bodyguard for the president's uh, son, I think. Yeah, it's not Scary, because the kid was in virtual reality and he got kidnapped. Is that true? Am I thinking of that blank check? Thing? No, he, no, first kid, 
he was like chatting with someone online and they met at the mall, oh, but it was like okay. a, a, a plot. I have not watched First Kid. I've watched Blank Check since, but not First Kid. Uh, and they have nothing to I, do with each other. No, uh, but they feel the same. But Sinbad's in it. Uh, Carmen Electra is in it as Roxanne. Uh, Unaccredited uh, for some reason. She, no, she's credited. She has to be. She's not in the final credits of really? this movie. It's crazy. Um, but then also you get like little cameo. Well, you got a Vagoda and you get, um, mm-hmm. George Clinton, Linda Cardellini. It's, it's a fascinating cast. Yes. And, uh, IMDB tells me this was Linda Cardellini's first theat like feature film role. And I was like, oh, she's so good in this. So memorable. Makes sense. But you know, oh. I, she didn't have her first break until like 2000 or 2001. So it makes sense. Yeah. 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 Cause I mean, yeah, that that whole scene at Dementia Hills is like my problematic fave because it's like so thriller inspired, but there's so much like, ooh, yeah, yeah, they do the thing with their arms. You know, but, it, I I love rediscovering sometimes whole genres of music. You know, I remember I, one of my favorite movies as a kid was The Truman Show. If, if you've mm. ever seen that one. Mm-hmm. And uh, years later, it was on the internet. And people were like, oh, Philip Glass. Everybody who likes Philip Glass is so pretentious. You know, blah, blah, blah. His music's so difficult to understand. So I listened to Glassworks and I go, oh my God, it's the Truman Show guy. And I was like, I uh. love this. I already have the shorthand. So years later, I'm like, Parliament Funkadelic? What's that about? And I hear it not just knee deep. I'm like, oh my God, it's the song from Good Burger. And I'm, right. you know, I got way deep into Parliament, way deep into Funkadelic. Um, also, interesting little uh, tidbit. Not just knee deep. I don't know. I've never confirmed this, but the first song to use the word twerk in it, not in the capacity of twerk, but uh, he goes, it didn't twerk. No, she did the freak. Girl, oh, wow. Yeah. That counts. I love that. That uh, The soundtrack is really amazing. And I had a similar experience with like, oh, that's, I, I have it. that's amazing. Is I that the one it. that says... Like for promotional use only, like yes. not for sale. Yeah, that's so it. cool. Yeah. Wait, and why do you have a museum of cool stuff? Oh, uh, my apartment is full. I collect physical media. I still like it: books, records, <sighs> DVDs, Blu-ray, uh, stuff like that. That's so still cool. CDs I wish well. I could do more of that. That I love that kind of stuff. I'm just now like sort of dipping my foot into like eBay, and I'm but I'm really into like. Uh, fast food premiums, so like the Will Smith sunglasses from Burger King, right. the Pop Tart cases. I really love all of that. So, you, the, as long as it's like unopened, because it's so weird that foods touched it to me. But or just they're like grubby little hands. Yeah, I don't want anything that a real child has been near. That's my rule. The movie starts with a dream sequence that becomes a nightmare and i wonder what are what is that telling us about like that's the first time we've ever seen anything inside of ed's head and it was a little scary i remember being yeah. like he just got dropped into a pit to hell so i wonder if he's stressed by his job and it never comes back really yeah it doesn't uh, add to anything in the movie. You know, don't eat me, Ed, don't. And, you know, it's not like later he has a crisis where he's like, should I be a vegetarian? Uh, right. No, it's like a weird dream sequence. Yeah, you're right. That yeah. That's kind of weird. 
the puppets. I mean, I liked all the puppetry. I think it would have been cool if that was like something they could have like brought up in the middle and then the end. Like, even if it were like an angel and devil on his shoulder, like, should I steal the chemical or should I pour it into the meat or whatever? Like, show his thought process that way. Quick comment. That could be fun. I, I love in your videos that you're like, here's how I would have improved it. Because nine times out of ten, you're right. 100%. Thank you. Hundred, uh, Like 90% of 100% of the time, you are 100% correct. So, <laughs> yeah, you're right. Like, it's a cool little plot device. Now, I did read in this uh, complex article I mentioned that uh, they they got told in January that they wanted it out by summer. So they had like a four-week pre-pro. And then they had like they had to shoot it super, super fast. So it looked really fast. Like they shot it May, like April, May, and then it came out July or something like that. Insane. It's amazing. I that can't it imagine. Was co you know, it made sense. It was a cohesive film. Um for for something put together. I, I've worked on projects that, you know, have a much longer uh production schedule and come out like you know, that make no sense. Right. right. Seen them. So it's, for it to uh, be so well, de- well developed is like really impressive. I don't know if it's a testament to the writers or to the actors or just all of it together, but I, I did find this movie to be very enjoyable. Sometimes you go back and you watch these older films and they are boring. This one exactly really, really well. Um, I was totally was like awesome. along for the ride. I did like have a hard time with Ed's rollerblade sequence at the beginning, which I remember... <laughs> watching this with my mother the first time and she's a nurse so she was always like afraid of kids getting hurt so when that little girl gets dragged behind him yeah. on roller like basically directly on the like her skull plate that still looked crazy to me watching it now right um but but it, it it's a fascinating it's a great uh intro to that character where anything's gonna happen you know it it really does set you up for this character is a wild card, but he always comes out unscathed. It's a great, you know, I love those opening, uh, you know, like the, especially in the 90s, they used a lot of these where they're introducing a character through, you know, the busy, hectic morning schedule. Um, like uh, Legally Blonde also does a great job where it sets the scene so well by panning around this world. It establishes you into, you know, this sorority and these characters' mindset. And it works as a great juxtaposition for later when you go to Harvard and they are right. so boring and so uptight. Uh, I just it, I think it does a great job of setting this. That's such a great point. And I think it also helps really establish the rules of this universe, this movie's universe within the first few minutes. So like we see, okay, this slapstick, the physical humor of the little girl being pulled along but then you see her get up and her being like, oh my God. And all of her friends like dusting her shoulder off. And then uh, the baby being basketball. used as a basketball, but you see the baby like kind of laughing. So you realize like, okay, there's all this crazy stuff happening, but it's not like, you know, it's a cartoonish version of the world. Mm-hmm. And um, I, so I agree. I think it's helpful for the world building. There's probably, it's probably that type of imagery wouldn't be used on a child today. It would be like some sort of adult man being dragged behind him or something if they were going to do it. Ooh, maybe it freaks me out a little because it reminds me of that Final Destination movie where the guy gets, he's like racist and he gets 
caught on fire and dragged behind a car. Well, good. Mo- yeah. More of that for the racists. Yeah, exactly. That, But that little girl, as far as we know, <laughs> was unproblematic. Sweet. And I think the reason my mom was, was like, so sensitive. She's hopscotching at yeah. like 8 in the morning. What what time is it? Wait, by the way, great line from Kel where he goes, ah, a clock. His, <laughs> his alarm is going off. Oh my god, at, that was so good. There's so many great throwaway lines from Totally. I wrote some of them down. I but I I think I remember them. I don't even need to look. We years of have to get to the I'm glad you wrote them down because there are so many that I was like, that was hilarious. Mm-hmm. And um yeah, I think the the it, I can't think of any other all that sketch. If we're gonna think about the like pitch of we're gonna take an all that sketch and make it into a theatrical movie. I can't think of any other sketch that would work as well. You know, Ishbu on its own, I mean, I think would be, I would be yeah, tired no, of that. What, that wasn't as popular of a character. Um, yeah. I don't like the, the things, the great recurring gags were like, ask Ashley. Ask Ashley. That was my favorite one. Then later, I remember I loved Stuart, the, the boy who would pretend to be whatever job you know he and like couldn't do anything couldn't do anything and at the end he'd be like i lied i'm not a substitute teacher i'm stewart i'm a yeah. boy or, is that his name yeah i believe it's Stuart. yeah it was stewart because it always reminded me of mad tv stewart a boy with a dream something like that yeah um, there was ear boy and pizza face yes which um, was very as surreal as an adult now looking back one of my favorite details from ear boy I'm pretty sure that his confidant and best friend is Ross Perot. Do you remember this? And it's like yes. a little girl dressed up as Ross Perot. It's like, who is that for? What kid is like? I oh, need you to tell me that. who Ross Perot is. I read uh, that and I was like, what? Who is that? He, he ran for president. He was just a very rich man who ran for president. I think not Green Party. What party did Ross Perot run for? I don't know, but I, it's just a weird joke. I'm Googling his picture of him just so I can see. Before my time, so. Yeah. What a bizarre thing to put in a kid's show. And that's one thing that I always have to give credit to Nickelodeon for is like they are willing to put in humor. Like they don't underestimate the intelligence of their audience or their audience's inevitable age. You ran in the reform party. Oh, the billionaire and philanthropist who ran in the reform party. In, Good to uh, know. Independent presidential campaign in 92 and a third party campaign in 96. How would oh, any he died? Know he died that. in 2019. I wonder if he was happy to be immortalized or impersonated on <laughs> Ear Boy and Pizza Face. I wonder if he even knows. What a bizarre reference. This, yeah. Everyday French with Pierre Escargot. Oh man, how could I forget? Pierre Escargot is great. That would have been a really, that could have been a standalone movie, like a fish out of water comedy. Um, Like if he Uh, had to go teach French in America. (laughs) Uh, There's the librarian. Lori Beth Denberg is the librarian. Uh, I love her. That was such a good sketch. And speaking of Lori Beth Denberg and casting in general, mm-hmm. who, if they were making this movie now, or if you were a working actor then, Are you what? Who would play Connie Muldoon? I'm Connie no, Muldoon. well, first of all, yeah, I would love, I think Lori Beth 
could still play Connie Mel- Muldoon because she's like still on the current seasons of all that. Right. I was going to ask I, I think what they pulled the plug, but yeah, she, she had been on. Oh, that's too bad. They've re, they've re- re- rebought the it like twice. Yeah, it's weird. Who would you want to be? Who? What character in this movie would you want to? Uh, would where you be? Would would you be most drawn to? Man, I'm so tempted to say the owner of Mondo Burger. Just because you're going to the grinder. I've, I I haven't played a villain yet in a big way. I would love right. to do that. Um, I that's what I was seeing for you too. Actually, you going the grinder. Was Kurt? Kurt and is in- your mother and your father now. I wonder what Kurt looks like naked. Whatever that line is. That was so good. And in the spirit of the faking of, I wanted to give you the opportunity to read that side and give us your best Kurt. Um, So if you can give us your interpretation of Kurt, I know it's a cold reading, but um, feel free to do do with it what you will. People. No. People. No. He's got kind of, he's got, he's not like, like surfer, but he's got a little bit of an edge. He goes, people, I'm fully stoked about being in charge of every single one of you. Within two years, Mondo Burger is going to be the biggest burger chain on this planet. Oh, yeah. First, we got to beat out our big competition across the street. Good Burger. From now on, your life is Mondo Burger. You can forget about your friends. Forget about your family, because Kurt is now both your mother and your father. Kurt must look awfully strange naked. What so good. That? <laughs> that was excellent. You, I feel like you're a very natural Kurt. But Thank just you. in case, I also did want to hear you read for Connie Muldoon. Oh, I'm Connie Muldoon. I would yeah. love to. It, it speeds up as as it goes according to the script direction that I found. So if each one of these stanzas, you can try to go a little bit faster. Hello, my name is Connie Muldoon. Or should I do that? Hello, like the Mrs. Doubtfire. Hello, is that more like, hello, my name is Connie Muldoon. Or a little bit, hello. You, I mean, that, you're the director. That first one I think was a little more true to what Lori Beth did, but whatever I think, you don't have to necessarily follow her. Hello, my name is Connie Muldoon. I'm hosting a family reunion and my oven has run amok. I think it's the heat actuator. Anywho, I'd like to order uh, three good meals, four junior good meals, and 17-piece order of your good chunks. And okay, on two of the junior good meals, I need to substitute the good cookies for good pies. No, don't forget that's extra. I'll pony up the overcharge. And uh, oh, on the regular good meals, I need two of the good burgers to have ketchup, mayo, mustard, lettuce, tomato, but no onion. I've got an interview this afternoon. Let's see, that takes care of everyone but Uncle Leslie, who doesn't eat meat. But of course, he does eat dairy so i don't get it and let's get leslie a good chick witch some good fries and a good root beer all to go but i would like to have my beverage while i wait now total me up <laughs> yes. I knew I could that was it so good i had to get in the wow room. no you nailed it because i i felt like they were like intentionally trying to make hard like put hard words together i wonder if she improvised that what do you think well they did uh, once when I was on Victorious, we did a April Fool's episode and they had me memorize like two full paragraphs straight out of like a washing machine instruction manual. So oh my God. 
it, it was very tough. It's and there at the same time, I am levitating out of my chair, out of frame, and then out of the scene. So like on um, wires. Yeah, they had me on wires with the chair attached to my pants. Oh my god! So um, I wouldn't put it past them. Those Nickelodeon people are crafty. They, that is incredible. But here's the thing: I like a good challenge. I like this kind of thing. It's fun. Yeah, I'm so glad you thing? nailed that. I'm sorry. I meant to have you attach some wires to that chair to your pants and oh, levitate. No. <laughs> I mean, I, sure, you're, you've got editing skills. Can you edit my chair slowly? Yes, we're gonna hover you out of here. It's like Poochie. Do you remember? Do you ever watch Simpsons? Oh yeah. They just have Poochie lift out of the scene, and then he dies on the poochie. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's how this ends. Matt Bennett died on his trip back to the <laughs> That was, Connie Muldoon is such a memorable, and that was Lori Beth's first theatrical role too. So I'm so glad that they were able to get her on in, onto the big screen because she was like <laughs> a, such a mainstay for the cast of all that. Like, I, I think she's one of the most memorable people. I, I tell you, I think that Nickelodeon if 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 I were president of Nickelodeon, I'd be hitting TikTok so hard because I think vital information. Could you imagine be scrolling and every day have like three new jokes? That's all it would take. Oh my gosh! It. And have like Lori Beth or there was the little girl who she passed the torch to. There's yes. so many great ways that Nickelodeon could be engaging their audience through these old bits. Vital and they could literally be like doing them from home. These yeah. uh, actors, like they could just set up the the set or whatever that would be so smart nickelodeon are you hearing this nickelodeon call me back it's yeah call me he's got some great ideas and he's ready he's ready for whatever you got coming i also noticed that there was really fun art direction in this movie mm-hmm. like they made i don't i wouldn't say the food at good burger looks good like as a kid, maybe I thought it looked good. I think I thought the sauce, Ed's secret sauce looked really good. Do you think the food looked appetizing in this movie? I Well, look, I, I have to point out the sauce is orange, which is the Nickelodeon mm. color. Um, yeah. I don't know, like the bits surrounding the food are what stand out to me, like Ed putting grapes in his nose. Like yeah. that, that I remember as a kid. I don't, you know, the food, sure, looks appetizing in the way that, like Mondo Burger. Um, when, when he's like putting that burger together and it's so big, it's like a hockey puck sized burger and he's putting full pickles on it. That was kind of good looking, but I don't know. The thing that really stood out to me is when they use the food more for the jokes of everything. Yes. I'm grape nose boy. Blibbity, 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 blibbity. That was iconic. And I remember being like, where are these grapes coming from at Good Burger? But I guess he brought them from home. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Just... Just the grapes. Yeah, it makes no sense. But um, also the exploding burgers when all of the, I, I could never remember the name of that chemical, triopanthenol. Triopanthenol or something? Yeah. That, I thought that all looked like red latex foam that was like torn up to me. Yeah, but, um, you're right. IMDB has like both Keenan and Cal being like they were, over a thousand pounds of meat on set at one point and it smelled awful. And I'm like, I can't see where you would ever need to use real meat for this movie. But what do I know? I, I'm sure, you know, for scenes where you have to take a bite out of something. Yeah, um, use real for meat sure. Or, you know, but 
I feel like that's so wasteful. I'm sure they could have found an alternative, something that I, you know, they didn't really have beyond burgers back then, but you could find like yeah. tofu or chickpea or something. Not as they Keenan said he felt so bad for the extras because they were just eating clammy French fries all day. And it's like, at least it's in an air conditioned interior. I, I love being an extra in things and I was an extra in something and it was just like out that outdoors in the sun dressed as a knight, like yeah, getting awesome. heat exhaustion. Yeah. But I was so excited because there was like explosions and it's going to be cool when it comes out. But I'm like, okay, I, that scratched the itch I had to be an extra. No, I mean, we also did outdoor scenes uh, with Victorious where it was just long sweltering days in Los Angeles. Are you in L.A.? I was. Now I'm in Palm Springs. Ooh, fancy. Uh, mm-hmm. But yeah, so you know, like, it can be excruciating. It can be awful. Yes. So, you know, luckily we're wearing, like, cool clothes and everything. Not, like, suits of armor, but... Like, I mean, I don't know. Those kids' shows, the la- the layering that they do, <laughs> the stylists do on kids' shows always stuns yeah. me. It's, you know, y- you want to be as neutral you know, um, we were all, we started the show when we were, I think the youngest one, Leon was like 15. So we all had gone through puberty for the most part. We had all developed. So that's why you see a lot of layering because you can't be as overt. That's true. That's a great point. I didn't even notice that. I thought I always pictured it. Or I guess I just always assumed it was like modesty, like let's cover up their arms. But it's really like having things draping over the chest and the hips. At least that, I think that was the case for our show. Look, you know, it, but I th- a lot of it also worked. I mean, I know uh, a lot of people gravitated towards Liz Gilly's character, Jade, because, you know, she was the cool goth with all the cool layers and all the frills and, you yeah. know, the big combat boots. and um, Her costumes are great. It, you know, it uh, didn't seem as superfluous at the time, but now people go back and go, what was, you know, Tori's wearing a vest on top <laughs> of, like, a long sleeve shirt. And, like, I, it, some of it I'm like, I, I didn't notice at the time. Yeah, I mean, you wouldn't. Yeah, Yeah, and you're you must be putting on a new T-shirt every day. You're like, oh, here's a new T-shirt with a open button up over it. Right. Um, the speaking of the food, the good burger menu, I did find a full version of it. So if you pop that open, oh yes, is there anything on there that jumps out? Like, tell me your what would be your go-to order at Good Burger. So funny, the good weenie is discontinued. Um, yeah, I'm like, damn it, that's what I wanted. I'm fascinated. I would love to try a Good Burger, obviously. Um, I don't know what good chunks are. Yeah, I want that. I want to know what the chunks are. <laughs> I would probably order a good coffee. Um, I'm from New York, and I love good diner coffee. Mm. This isn't a diner, but I would absolutely try it. Now, good shakes I'd be cautious about because Ed takes, you know, long soaks in the in the smoothie machine. Oh my gosh. That was like the the some of the food safety stuff throughout all of this, like mm-hmm. people handling food with bare hands. I'm like, well that I I get that it's a movie, but I'm cringing. Yeah. The good um, shakes, yeah, were rough. I, I, I did make a note. I wanna make something called strawberry jacuzzi, whether it's like an album or I, I don't know. He goes, strawberry jacuzzi. Yes, that was great. You're going to have to be careful because some makeup company is going to steal that for an eyeshadow shade. Strawberry jacuzzi? Yeah. 
like a like if it's like a dessert themed makeup palette they'll they would love stuff like that mm. anything that conjures like some... yeah i don't spend much time um, in sephora these days yeah well you should check it out it's a it's a very <laughs> stimulating experience like if you ever want to like be in awe of the way they perfect the science of getting you to like buy things especially mm. if it's a product you're not interested in because then you're just like oh, the signage is like and it's the same at grocery stores i noticed too like why is every sign trying to tell me how happy this food is going to make me they're like right crunch on happiness or like take a sip of happy i'm like that's syrup with water like <laughs> i hate advertising sometimes but i love it and speaking of marketing mm. i wanted to go through this good burger menu and just go back and forth and pitch like a little tagline for each menu item okay. so i'll start to yes. just like give you an example like um good burger our classic succulent sandwich experience um dripping with juice uh double good burger when one just isn't enough love that uh triple good burger they say three's a crowd but we say stretch out your meat hole mama meat hole um that's what i call my mouth <laughs> your meat hole yeah. <laughs> um good chunks you'll blow your top for these chunks blowing chunks <laughs> love that i good chunks is the most disgusting menu on this like yeah i guess it's that? popcorn chicken i picture ed what's like, in the chunks yeah <laughs> <laughs> the the what's in the what's in the sauce what's in the like, sauce and then everyone's digging their hands into it the that big ladle of orange liquid i was like Ooh. yeah i i um, love um i love when they put shark poison sorry to interrupt yes. in the game but no. as, a, as an adult i'm like shark poison i guess because yeah. kids could go under the counter and maybe you know like the the sink and find rat poison so they're like it has to right be, and be like that sounds like fun and try and put it in so that has to make it something that doesn't exist like shark poison i agreed yeah i was like needed to be something that sounds double dangerous too like it can't just be like poison it's like it's poison up to kill a shark like a scary animal um and i actually am in favor of poisoning sharks just because oh, i saw no. jaws i'm just kidding oh. i'm just <laughs> that was the 70s you want to save the seas they've they've calmed down since the 70s sorry they went sharks went through a rebrand they're much calmer than they were in the 70s oh yeah i saw finding nemo he was yeah so sharks nice. are cool Fisher we friends, love them really. and we have a whole week dedicated to them i did a review on a movie called ouija shark uh which like was ouija like board with a shark they were trying to capitalize on two horror movie trends so what is it okay. like it's the ghost of a shark that comes to attack people. yeah they accidentally summoned the spirit of a shark that could follow them on land or water my initial response is that sounds awful but at the same time i value anything that puts a creative spin on something mm -hmm. i've never seen a shark ghost before so maybe yeah. it's amazing yeah exactly it wasn't amazing to me but i like when you take two ideas and slam them together mm -hmm. all right what's next good chick witches uh made from 100 real chickens who were caught practicing witchcraft 
I would have said good chick witches available on Sundays. Oh. Dig, dig it in a little bit. Those Chick Fil A hypocrites. Yes, still open on Sundays because we're not. Never mind. I won't finish not, that sentence. <laughs> yeah, we're not. What? You know, fill in the blank. Um, <laughs> no, good weenies is hard. It's like good weenies seasonal. You know, uh, it's got to be like something about tis the season for this weenie. <laughs> yeah. Uh, because it's discontinued, but maybe it'll come back around Halloween or right. something festive. Good weenies. You sucked them all up for now. <laughs> all sucked up. Yeah. <laughs> plumped, fresh, fresh plump, now to stock. Yes, I like that. Good tacos. I think of like the, in, the Jack in the Box tacos. So Never I'm like... Oh, they're they're weird. So it's it's like you want a piece of this crusty stale tortilla envelope. That's what they taste like. They're like really crispy. Good chili. Yeah. Um, come on, put uh put a ladle uh we'll ladle it into your mouth. <laughs> yes, that's how I like my silly my chili silly served. Chili. Silly chili. So ladle chili. that silly chili right down my meat hole. <laughs> Um, yeah, I see. It's kind of, I want meat hole to catch on. I want doctors to start referring to the mouth as a meat hole because it's full of meat. Whether like my tongue is meat, my Mm -hmm. lengua cheeks are meat. Lengua. I've ordered Mm -hmm. lengua taco trucks before. Oh, is that tongue? I think so. Like you eat like tongue taco. Yeah. That I would try. Good fries, so salty it hurts your tongue. And then we'll end with this last one. Good pickles, shalom for all of our Jewish friends. We're kosher. Love that. That makes sense. The kids at home are like, oh, next video time. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> they're like, uh, not the kosher ones. They're the placing ones, their they, order on. They're so yeah, seen they're, right now. They're on Postmates, being like, "Where's Good Burger?" They just see Mr. Beast Burger. Which is like what the is, closest. He's a YouTuber. Yes, it's a chain or. I think that he just like uh, licenses local kitchens to like yes. fulfill these kitchens. orders. Yeah, they're not like real places you can go it's just a delivery. It's really interesting time. Really. Yeah, interesting. I know. It's like do that or start a makeup line and don't Dude, look back. You know, I I don't know. I started streaming. And just the, there's so many more avenues to mm-hmm. connect with people, to make money. Now, that ne- doesn't necessarily mean that everyone is good or that I want to do it, you know? But right. It's just so weird where it's like, yeah, I'll start my own burger chain out of ghost kitchens across the country. And it can be really lucrative. You're like, I this didn't exist 10 years yeah. ago. Yeah. This concept. I completely agree. It's like 10 years the... ago, I didn't have an iPhone, you know? For sure, we, had there, a where we can like be so much more industrious now with the tools. So it's like, I mean, America obviously has tons of issues. And if the American dream truly means just having the opportunity to work for making a living doing what you want, then at least that's becoming a little more equitable through like 
you know, people being able to start black owned businesses on Instagram or use Shopify to, you know, make lip glosses and face masks and things. So it's, it's fascinating that, you know, you could have a niche interest that attracts 200 people, but if you find those 200 people, you can sell to them directly and make a real living doing it. You know, before, whereas before any specialty you had to, you had to really luck into, you know, being in the right place, right time, you know, right town. Uh, but right. now it's like, I'm into, you know, somebody's like a furry, you can find that community and sell your wares or goods and, you know, incorporate yourself into that type of thing. Or I yeah, don't know. It's, it is. It's, it's, it's been a real actually. learning curve. Because, yeah. It, it's fascinating. And I have friends who make a living doing things that are, that were not avenues that you could explore 10 years ago. Yep. Totally. Friend, and then, friend, I mean, friends I, that's, who were influencers that, that wasn't a thing when I started on Nickelodeon. Insta- right. I remember when Instagram started, we were on like second season of Victorious and now people can make an entire cottage industries out of it. Yeah. I remember some of those early uh, Instagram photos from my favorite Nickelodeon stars with the Which filters one? and oh, like yeah. the frames, just yeah, like the generally ones. like cheesy, like the same thing all of us, everyone our age was posting, but mm-hmm. now it's like all in. so much more curated. Yeah. I've had to archive a bunch of photos that are just... <laughs> not not like good or interesting or anything i was carrying around hold up no i was carrying around this little like gizmo toy and i would put pictures of him in random places and i'm like this oh here he is i'm like this isn't i don't need to keep this up you're like that's my thing i'm gonna post pictures of this gizmo toy everywhere you know i'm I'm always trying i'm always trying something yeah can't fault you for that he's not busy being born is busy dying so exactly i'm never bored anymore i love that and i and the internet helped me do that like yeah i had the same kind of experience like quitting my marketing job uh over quarantine to do youtube full-time and being like it feels like stepping out over a precipice but uh it's like whatever life is short let's do it and if the people if, if it's about a community and talking about things we really like with other people, like we're far. You know, I find that. So, you know, I, I complimented you earlier. I don't know how you have the drive to make, you know, what would it be like 80 minutes of content a week? So and sure about that, about Thank that, you. More, probably more. I don't know how you do that. That's, that's a lot. That's like a, that's I like a full length feature film. Uh, a week that you're putting it can be and you know i'm lucky like i have um i think what i took from my previous work as a brand manager for a beauty company and before that social media manager for beauty companies where it's like having processes for creating content and where can i outsource and where can nobody else do this part but me Mm -hmm. so it's like i realized like okay coming up with the analysis and sitting on camera and doing the one-liners like I can't outsource that but like can I find some editors who like I was editing my videos for so long and I love editing but I also it's really formulaic my 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 show has a format so I find I can transfer it to the two editors that I work with now and helps me really just like keep it moving and always be working on three videos at a time. But it definitely takes uh, more planning than I thought when I first like was like, I want to be a YouTuber one day and I'll just like make a fun video of me baking cupcakes once a week or whatever. 
But then I realized like, that's not what I love to talk about. That's not what I, that's clearly not what people are responding to. And I definitely got YouTube's advice, like just like keep uploading, keep uploading. So I'm like, Mm. do it while I have the energy. It's true. And I mean, they, they do seem to reward people who, you know, upload more and upload consistently and upload, you know, quality at a, you know, at a certain length of time, you know, I, 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 I live alone. So I do like, I'm one of those consistently, uh, I need to be stimulated in some way, podcasts, videos, movies, music. So to have like a 40 minute long video breaking down cadet Kelly or whatever, I'm like, sure, let's toss that on. Yeah. Um, I'm the same way. Yeah. Love a long video. Love a long video. Thank you for that. Well, thank you. For, I really appreciate that compliment. It means a lot. Um, it definitely means a lot to know because there are times where I'm like, I would much rather be fucking watching a 36 minute walkthrough of the Magic Kingdom than like editing this or whatever. But then I'm like, well, I'll do that later. But I want people to see this. <laughs> it's like yeah, I'm this close. So I, I just know that it means a lot when somebody is like, hey, I, I see what you do. I see that, you know, that you're trying and uh, it's, 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 it's rare when somebody sees you and, you know, gives you that kind of compliment. So I wanted to make sure that, that you're aware that people are seeing what you're doing and they are enjoying it. Thank you so much, Matt. And it means so much coming from you, someone who I've been, as I said, I was jealous of your career from really? the time we were 14. Yeah. I was like, did you want to be live a ventriloquist on Nickelodeon? specifically yes no, i wanted to be the dummy sitting on your lap is that okay yeah, sure. hey, man. um it's it's been an interesting thing look I, it's it's been a real blessing so and i i try not to lose sight of of the just how how many lucky breaks i've i've gotten it may not seem like that to the outside world i certainly do see the comments people like you know this guy, the, he, the one show, it's like, no, I've gotten to do some crazy interesting things and worked with crazy interesting people, as I'm sure you have. So, um, yeah, I try not to lose sight of, of uh, how far I've come. And it's been yeah, really it's important not to let the one thing people know, mo- the majority of people know you for, like, people don't know the half of it. Like, I think of like, like you and Bridesmaids. I yeah, like remember laughing so loud at that line in Bridesmaids that you had. And I was just like, um, th- like, it, and I lived in New Hampshire. So I was just like, uh, I wish I could go to Cal- Hollywood and, and go like, to Hollywood be with all these people. And be, yeah, exactly. yeah, be with Hollywood Rose Byrne. Um, that's one of those gifts that keep on giving. And it, that, that's really one of the things that keeps you in this industry you know, past when you're like, I am so like the pandemic took it out of me. I, I wasn't working a ton to, you know, before then. And certainly during the pandemic, nobody was working. So, um, but there are those weird little things like bridesmaids. I can't, you know, I, I think I had to sign an NDA, but there's something coming up. It's not big, but just like a thing that came off of bridesmaids. That was such a weird little fun thing. I could tell you about it off the camera, but, um, it's just it's it's a really interesting thing uh how these uh, parts that you do small movies television shows can creep back around and keep you afloat and keep your career moving in weird ways yeah so 
That's it is fascinating, and I minor probably good advice coming up for me. So I'll tell you about it after. Um, you it's heard my, it here first. That's <laughs> it's so, so minor, awesome. but it's very funny. No, I'm obsessed because like that is one of your roles that always sticks out to me, and I think it's a great piece of advice for a lot of people. You know, I'm sure message you as well as me about like how can I break into this field that I want to, and it's like so much of it is just about resilience and showing up and being professional and trying to learn from what you do. And like, as you said, you just literally never know how that's going to pay off in the future. So I've known many people who have come out here with a loose plan. Like I want to be in fashion. And then within a year they're burnt out. They've gone through all their money. They didn't have a, you know, the drive or, you know, they didn't try as hard and they rage quit Los Angeles. Mm. They go, this town Mm -hmm. is toxic. And you're like, you know, I feel like you get out of anything what you put into it in some ways. It may not be exactly how you imagined it, but um, if if you're not putting yourself out there, if you're afraid of rejection, there's consistent work that can be done anywhere. It may not be, you know, the glitz and glamour that you were expecting, but there are theaters in Los Angeles, and I'm sure there are theaters in people's hometowns, wherever you are. Right. You can go and stay you know, hone your craft, stay on top of the game. Um, there are avenues now like YouTube and Twitch and uh, TikTok where you can be seen in many different ways. There's um, there's never been less, there's always, you know, excuse, but there's never been less of an excuse, a, a time to have an excuse than now because there's so many different places for you to be seen. It's just yeah. trying, just trying your best and staying at it. I know it can be discouraging, believe me, believe me. I was on a successful TV show and I'm still discouraged from time to time, but um, I bet it can be so difficult to just like kind of feel like, Oh, okay, well, what's going to be the next thing or how do I, you know, parlay into the next opportunity. I have the same kind of anxiety where it's like, where, you know, what happens when YouTube disappears or whatever the, Mm -hmm. the, the the digital cloud explodes. Like there's so many unknowns, but you know what happens? you know what happens? You have built up uh, skills and craft at writing, at editing, at directing, that those are real skills that you can then put into whatever the next step is. You know, I've been close to different YouTube creators who just, who start in obscurity and through consistency and trial and error, reach major heights. You right. know, they figure out what works for them. Yeah. And it's just, you know, listen, I'm guilty of this. I'm a major procrastinator, but you know, it, the more that you sit down and try whatever you're interested in, music, writing, um, the more that you sit down, you really do get better. Yeah, it's Age so true. Well. Putting in your 10,000 hours, as they say, you yes. know, like it takes 10,000 hours of practice to become an expert at anything. And, my, the, only I, thing and I think... in, the only thing I put my 10,000 hours in is being rejected. So like, I'm very <laughs> good at ta- doing an audition and letting it just wash off my back. But um, but you not need rejected, that. but you know, romantically, like rejected in the professional sense, where it's right. like you're you're not what we're looking for right now. So, uh, but that resiliency is what allows you to keep going to find the new thing, the next thing that you are right for, and not rage quit. Exactly, and, and like you know, if- finding some joy in the work itself. Yeah, like I agree. If you're if someone were to be out in LA looking to break into entertainment or, or as a performer, like, yes, the initial work that you find 
maybe nothing like what you pictured, like the when you're number one on the call sheet, it's not going to look like that when you're a non-union extra, but Mm -hmm. it is like you're working in the same field that you came out there and and you and it's the reality of the job is like you start to learn the actual demands of it and and where you're you want to fit into it so i love the idea of putting in time paying your dues i hosted a comedy show for five years at a place called meltdown comics which is now closed and it had such a, a pulse and a vibe to it that it would attract big name talent we had um john mulaney on our show nick kroll Pete Holmes, um, Kyle Mooney, Beck Bennett, you know, the good neighbor people. Yeah. Um, a lot of the times, like in the Kyle Mooney and Beck Bennett before they were on SNL. And it's just, you know, finding a community like that, find, you know, it doesn't have to be comedy, but you really never know, you know, who's going to get that break when. So starting off, I've even if it's not the glitz and glamour, starting off in a black box theater, you may just be working with somebody who explodes. Or you could be the one who explodes. It does right. happen. It's so right. weird. It's very weird. Um, yeah. And so many could, of the icons of today who yeah, are people... like artists, like they talk about their early days when it was just a group of friends doing their shit together and learning from one another and seeing what what they accomplished together. Sure. Lonely Island were just three random guys who I think exactly like USC or UCLA together. Happens a lot. Same. Same idea for like drag houses or the ball, the queer ball scene. You know, Mm -hmm. it's like these are groups where they're actually disadvantaged in a heteronormative society, but they're still making opportunities for themselves as queer performers by like, you know, incubating within their community to to build their talent. So something really, uh, I think that's what draws creative people to, to, put up with all of the challenges that come from having a career in it, you know, which, which any creative job has, especially if it's like some sort of self-employment. So I love that energy. I love seeing it in other people. Um, I love, I love, I love love. I'm, I'm from New York. I'm quite cynical. And yet I still find myself being optimistic. Um, Or at least acting like I'm optimistic. Who knows? Maybe I'm just a very good actor. (laughs) Uh, it's you can fool yourself sometimes at that fake it till you make it that's one of my mottos there you go mine too all right we can close up here on good burger just by talking a little (laughs) bit about the i like to talk about the premiere and the reception okay um so i don't know if you read at all but do you can you guess what the worldwide gross was for uh this movie against the $8 million yeah, budget. I think, it, I think I read that it was 25 or 26 million. Maybe 20, basically 23.7. 23.7 so 24. Okay. And then and like of 41 course, 41% on rotten tomatoes, which I think is low. Yeah. The reviews are rather negative. Like the critical response was basically like, well, I guess this proves kids. You just like bullshit. You know, like it was, they were, they didn't get it. Or they said, like, um, unless you're a fan of all that or Keenan and Kel, you're not going to like it. But, I mean, I think there was a lot of laughs in there for, like, my, I remember my parents watching it and laughing it and they didn't know the first thing about Nickelodeon. Yeah, you know, I really think it's a testament. There, There's something so uh, you know, magnetic about 
Keenan in particular, I loved his delivery. It, there was a there was a real maturity to his comedic timing. Mm-hmm. Kel, great, great, a uh, funny guy, but really like Keenan. You're watching it. You're like, I I, I think that, and I I don't want to you know cast too many aspersions, but I do feel like Kel got the short end of the stick by being having to be so crazy and having to go so far out. Keenan showed his versatility a lot that he's a great comedic talent there. We always need more of the straight guy, you know, right. there's always going to be the, the crazy one who can fly off the handle and say random things, but it really is its own talent to be the guy who is the normal one. Right. And in an interesting and, you know, interesting way. I and he think. was on like full time. Like I noticed as he's like climbing up on the straw, like to, to follow Ed in, he's like, improvising these grumbling lines like it it's just like he really carried it and even as a young kid it made me believe like I understood the conflict having no idea about money or like cars or whatever like I was like I really believed his character and he still had moments where he was able to be funny so you could see like he could he didn't have this like vanity that would prevent him from being anything but the straight man so I agree the the versatility really came through. And mm-hmm. I think I wonder, cause I know both of them auditioned for SNL and I yeah. wonder if the characters that they brought to those auditions were like in similar veins, like one just you know, kind of worked I, better. I don't want it to sound like I think Keenan is better than Kel or anything. Right. It's just that, you know, Kel, he he did the crazy guy on Keenan and Kel. He did the crazy guy on Good Burger. I don't know if you've seen Mystery Men. I mm-hmm. I highly recommend it. Love it. Rewatched recently. So good. It really holds up. Um, he plays like like a slightly le- like toned down version of the character he always plays. I don't know. Like he's a very good, very competent comedic actor. But I don't know. It's just really watching it. You're like, this is Keenan's movie. Mm-hmm. That's how I felt. So I was very very impressed, especially, you know, watching him and how he's grown, you know, he's still on SNL, but he's one of my favorites. Uh, yeah. He's so good on SNL, but yeah, I agree. Like when I saw Kel in mystery men, it was a little, it took me out of it to see him like sitting like as a normal kid, kind of like talking to them. So it's interesting how Hollywood types people. Mm. Um, and Finally, did you know anything about the would-be sequel to Good, Good Burger? Burger to go? I know there's a book. If I really yeah. wanted to go above and beyond, I would have read it before this. But I, oh my gosh, same. I, I really was, was like, like, how I, fast can I read? I was like, I don't want to. I'm so sorry. I really don't. I don't need that. I've got enough useless information swimming around. I have head. so many half-read books that I would like. I I would be embarrassed if the first book I finished in months was <laughs> the King of the Good Burger not novel. You're but, out at the. You're out trying to impress, you know, a date, and you're like, <laughs> "Hey, she just got done with a really fascinating book." Um, did you know Good Burger has a sequel? Yeah, um, yeah. Or I'm like, I'm like, oh yeah, I love reading to pass the time. Oh, have you read anything good lately? Yes, I'm not going to tell you the title. <laughs> um, but it was an interesting story. Ed, the only person who knows how to create his secret sauce is chasing a shortchanged customer around the world. The restaurant falls into trouble when it becomes evident that the sauce has not been licensed for sale. 
Okay. Hmm. Licensing issues. Didn't see that being brought in, yeah. but okay. <laughs> it's a little corporate. But there you go. I guess I'll, that'll that'll go on the summer reading list for both of us. I mean, next summer. It's October mm-hmm. for me. I don't know. Yeah, we can wait. What, what time? I'm not trying to we jump in. So. I need to wait. Yeah, I, I need to mentally spooky. prepare. Yeah. Um, I also want to... Uh, I, I know we're trying to wrap it down, but uh, no, no, please take your time. Um, I really want to give a shout out to Stuart Copeland, who was the composer of this. He uh, mm. he's the drummer for the Police, and he's an Oysterhead with uh, oh, cool. uh, Les Claypool and Trey Anastasio, and he did the music. I looked this up afterwards. He did the music for Spyro the Dragon, the PlayStation video game. Wow. As I was playing this, as I was watching this, I'm like, oh man, I hear it. I hear that. That's fascinating. I didn't realize that he was a film composer. I thought he was just a drummer, but the um, music is great through this. Like really it great. always like, oh, really enhanced. The, uh, all, like the weird yeah. O's uh, drew me in. I thought they were really cool. These crescendos. Yeah. And you know, I think it really helps like enhance the feel of their comedic timing. You know, like it gives the reaction shots time to breathe. Mm-hmm. I think um, the character's name is Monique. She was so good. Uh, but like Char I found- Jackson. Char Jackson. Yes. From uh, She's Malaysia. iconic. Yeah. Yes, Moesha. Super good. Love and basketball. Did they get together at the end? So yeah, they did. They do. They, they do. They were like, we can go on a date or whatever. But I, I really loved her character. Um, I, one of my favorite lines. I have a couple lines that I want to toss out because I just love yeah. them so much. At the very end, um, Keenan rips up the agreements. Like, I don't think we, you know, we, we shouldn't do this anymore. And Kel goes, "Is it because I'm black?" And there's just this great, I remember as a kid being like, woo, like, that's funny. Yes, so like, me too. Um, he talks about shaving a Martian, which I wrote down that I thought was really funny. And he takes uh, out the razor. Yeah. Um, Keenan's trying to remember where he saw Kel from before. Kel goes, have you ever been to Australia? Me neither. He goes, maybe I'm someone famous, like a baseball player or a pretty nurse. Yes, <laughs> a pretty nurse. Maybe I'm someone famous, like a baseball player or a pretty nurse. I don't know. I that's my Where type of humor. Where did that come from? I don't and then know. he's like, "Who am I?" And Keenan is like, "I don't know who you are, where you come from, or why you think you're an attractive nurse." <laughs> <laughs> that's uh, that's so, that's so Nickelodeon. Yeah. Um, and then of course, one of my favorite lines when I was a kid, uh, they're having the the touching, you know, heart to heart on top of Good Burger, and uh, Keenan's talking about how he you know, doesn't remember what his dad looks like. And Kel goes, I don't remember what my dad looks like either, but at least I get to see him every day. Yeah. <laughs> that Those was so good too. Favorite. I was like, okay, giving me so, some insight into Ed's mind, <laughs> the short-term uh, memory. Yeah, amazing. I would have loved to oh. see his parents. I know, they need to give us the family. Uh, I wonder if they ever did that in one of the sketches. I think Did they you had notice like a younger that- version. Of Cal. Oh, yeah. Or like a brother or something. When they, when Ed released the like straight jacketed patient at Dementia Hills, he ran off screen and I had the subtitles on and um, someone said, he's killing Sydney. So there was a murder off screen. Oh, that fascinating. Yeah. I want to, I want to hear more about that story. The um, whole, and being thrown through those plate glass windows, I was like, that's instant death, but okay. <laughs> right. No, that would have been, you would have cut yourself or broken bones. 
um you do see like he doesn't even fall from a height like when he jumps back into the scene he just like jumps in basically. yeah <laughs> even as a kid i'm like, like that's weird yep didn't quite and, line up and they're cutting between them driving uh to get to get, rushing to good burger to stop people from eating the shark poison and i remember as a kid i hated this woman's line delivery she's about to eat the burger she goes oh poo i wanted mustard like as a kid i'm like poo yeah i, I was i was uh, a prissy little boy i'm like i'm not cool with that i'm like i, I was I, the I like same my way comedy mature i don't want to hear about poo i don't want to hear fuck yeah. jokes. yeah no i'm the same way i'm like that actually turned me off too i was like that woman who looks like my nana just said poo i hope she does get hit by this car <laughs> <laughs> um there was the shack cameo it seemed to me like he could not keep a straight face <laughs> um, it's like amazing. they were jumping on him and he was like he's like, got holding he's back laughs better at acting i think over the years he was very wooden in this performance he goes it's good totally. i think the burger is good that's how he <laughs> yeah. all right guys relax he says it just like yeah that. oh um, i always talk about like the weirdly distinct way that athletes who make cameos on kid shows talk where they're like wow you guys did a great job out here today Mm-hmm. You should come see our game someday. It's like you know, they're they're not actors; they're athletes. It's not, yeah. That, but it's the 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 best one. I rewatched Space Jam after seeing Space Jam: A New Legacy, and there's so many uh, great lines that they. The movie's really funny, and they gave so many great lines to the basketball players. One is in therapy, and he goes, "Why?" I think he says, "Well, why would I want to be? Why would I be in love with my mama or something like that?" <laughs> it's just a great. I think I'm paraphrasing, but. It's a great little cutaway and a great, super, super funny joke for the adults and crowd. That's awesome. See, I love when it's like non-actors who are utilized in such a way and directed so that you're like, oh my gosh, yeah, they pulled that off. Bill Murray that has a great line me. too. Where they go, like he, he shows up for the last, uh, you know, basketball inning or I don't play sports. I don't know what it's called. Square quarter, whatever it is. Yeah, and they go, "How did in, you get here?" Inch. And he goes, uh, "Producer's a friend of mine. Teamster picked me up." And it's just, oh yeah, <laughs> it's fu- it, it's freaking incredible. Excuse me, that um, was so good. That was I so love good. When they the toss a joke meta. to the adults. Yeah, yeah, toss a joke to the adults because you know it's Bill Murray. The adults love him. So yeah, yeah, that was iconic. I do After remember that. Through Michael Jordan's performance, like oh, Bill Murray is so good. <laughs> Oh my gosh, they that was a very smart pairing to put someone as capable as Bill Murray. But that I haven't seen the new one. I'll have to check out the new Space Jam. Is there anything else about this movie that stuck out to you? Um, just that I loved it. Yeah, <laughs> same. It's about it. Um, I yeah. loved it right down to the like orange VHS tape that it was housed in. Mm. That was so days. good. I miss mm-hmm. uh I miss interesting packaging with things. It's become yeah. so uh so routine to just be in a boring this. Yeah. Like this. I'm tired cool. of that. I'm tired of this. Make it something interesting. I loved cool. the like bubble packaging of a VHS cassette plastic thing that was like, ooh, that's gonna protect it because there's like analog film in there. Uh, the good days. So yeah, this was a successful, a, a box office success, of course, and then a, a cult classic, of course, but they never gave us a DVD with bonus features. So I would have loved a behind the scenes thing. Well, but... can- like a, um, 
commentary as an adult i've gotten into commentary tracks in a big way oh yeah me too just recently with the show community oh, i'm rewatching does, with commentary is it the full uh full cast or just dan Harmon? um they have like uh dan Harmon and like two of the cast in each of them but they rotate they did a little reboot skit of good burger on the jimmy fallon show so yeah it seems like everyone's still there was a last thing that i thought was interesting that would not happen today is to promote the film um there were four people who got to go to the premiere and win a thousand dollars and meet keenan and kel but then a hundred first prize winners won a fabric hat a uh, good burger hat with dreadlocks sewn in resembling bone of the main character Ed's. Oh, fun. Cultural appropriation. I thought, yeah, I thought, okay, who, we need to find someone who owns one of those 100 hats because mm-hmm. that's, that belongs in a museum of, belongs in a museum. of 90s blind spots. I've been trying. But, um, they, uh, there's some guy who's been, he's trying to make like a book about the making of Josie and the Pussycats. And for one, some of the Patreon uh, subscribers, uh, he had given away original the headphones with the actual cat ears. And like they I, were extras? Yeah, I DM'd him because I missed the Patreon. So I'm still, I got to follow up because I got to have those. That's and, so cool. Because there's only a set amount. I got to buy yeah. I got to have some. Yeah, I'm so into memorabilia like that, like movie memorabilia. I'm um, into vintage t-shirts and uh, sneakers ooh. and stuff like that during the pandemic. That's been my whole thing. Getting funny movie tie-ins or. Oh, yep. I, I love a... um, any sort of Happy Meal toy. Very into those. Mm-hmm. I just Whatever ordered a, happy. a vintage um, Tower of Terror shirt, but it's not the logo. It's one I'd never seen before where it's a uh, just a pocket with a hand reaching up and a mickey hat that's flying and it says hold on to your hats tower of terror mgm hollywood and i'm like oh yes i got it that's such a cool design it's super cool it's coming in the mail soon i i will have to post a photo of me in it that disney world merch yeah they they make it limited edition and then it's gone you know and i'm not even that big of a i'm not a disney adult in any way shape or form and look at these gums do these gums look like (laughs) a disney adult gums not to me not to me um (laughs) But I was like, I love Twilight Zone, and the Tower of Terror was the scariest thing as a, yes. as a kid. So I was oh, like, yeah. I, well, I want, I want that one. Did you like the movie? I did a clip breakdown of that movie. Once. Oh, you did? Mm-hmm. I have to watch with that Kirsten, one with Kristen Dunst. Kristen Dunst and uh, Steve Gutenberg as the yep. dad. Um, I haven't seen it since I was a kid. I certainly did watch it. And Jan from The Office plays Ma- Laura Hardin. Yes, I had such a huge crush on Kirsten Dunst when I was younger. Because of um, Jumanji. Jumanji. And then she, like seeing her and bring it on, I was like, she's beautiful. Yeah. There was this period where they were really forcing like blonde girls down our throats. So Definitely. I remember like uh, Hannah from S Club 7, Baby Spice, uh, mm-hmm. Dunst, where I was just like, I guess this is right up I, your alley. You're like, these are what women are. Yeah. I was like, yes, this is it. <laughs> because <laughs> um, before then I was like Kimberly the Power Ranger you know oh yeah but, but from Susie Q another Disney Channel movie scared me I can't watch that movie it scared me so much she dies she's yeah, a ghost I know she, it's like a and, car crash and she right? never comes back you know like it's like it was terrifying we just watched it on my Patreon and it was like 
She dies in a car accident. No one cares about her boyfriend who also died, like, or the guy who was in the car with her. I was so scared. I was so scared. And then her parents never get closure. And it's like, okay. Happy. That's the wonderful world of Disney. And don't look under the bed. Did you watch that one? Yep. I broke that one down too. Also too scary. Very, very scary. The whisker people. I just remember like, they had like weird rat whiskers or whatever. The makeup was too scary on that for sure. My parents were so weird, had some scary episodes. I love all of those. There's one so weird that I think back to about this girl who could like uh, separate herself from her body and become like astral projection. Yeah. And like walk around for some reason and do some, I don't know what she was doing by walking around out of her body. And then she's in like a tree fort that's going to collapse. I don't know. Yeah. I gotta go back. I do remember that one. And it was like, she leaves her body and they have to help her. Which is kind of like the movie, the the movie Insidious. He does astral projection and gets lost in the further. I've never seen Insidious. I'm not, you know, oh I don't gosh. get scared at horror films, so I don't really. You wouldn't at this one. There's except for the one jump scare that you've seen the GIF of, where there's like. But here's the thing, jump scare. It's not that it scares me. It's it's like it's loud. It doesn't. Yeah, it just startles you. It just start like you go, Ugh, but you're not yeah. like scared to your core in the right. Uh, well, like, you know, what about Ari Aster movies? Have you seen Hereditary or Midsommar? Of course, yeah. I, Did those you know, look, scare you? I, I don't, I, they don't scare me. I do enjoy watching them because technically they're interesting. And for the most part, you're going to see something that you haven't seen in a movie before in an Ari yeah. Aster film. You know, Midsommar is, inter- is great because it's a horror film told in broad daylight. Eternal right. daylight. It's always bright out. Um, Hereditary, without spoiling anything, you see very gruesome and realistic things mm-hmm. and you linger on it in a very like lynchian way you know like yeah when you're in the uh in um, blue velvet so that's cool to me but you know going and seeing the bye-bye man i'm never like oh, yeah. man that's gonna be the crazies i'm like oh, that doesn't sound yeah like- oh my Males gosh yeah eyes. i i watched the crazies recently and i was like this was garbage yeah oh i love I those know. movies though I'm afraid of real things. Yeah, I I feel that definitely like where you're like, oh, my God, that's it. Like the show, the series Fargo. I don't know if you've ever seen it. it. Oh, my God. Like Billy Bob Thornton in that first season. I was like, oh, my God. Terrifying. That's the kind of character I love. Or There Will Be Blood or No Country for Old Men. Those types of characters. Okay, so you're Coen Brothers fanatic. Oh, yeah. Definitely. I think because I never really like went out and sought out like the really good movies when I was in film school because I was really into cheesy horror movies and really into special effects makeup. So anything that a professor showed us, I would be like, oh, good movies exist too. And they were like, why are you paying for this school? <laughs> sure. <laughs> You're not but but you, did you go to school in out. Los Angeles or? No, I went to NYU. So it was New oh, York. Okay. Um, but I I definitely felt like outclassed every Oscar seasons while I was in um, film school because people would be talking about everything that's nominated. And I'd be like, I didn't see that because I was watching the yeah. remake of Nightmare on Elm Street. That sucked. <laughs> um, yeah, you know, I although I, I do have my problems with the Academy. I feel like they always overlook the movies. Where I'm like, that's the one that they're doing the amazing thing. Right. La La Land. Why are we wasting time on La La Land when The Handmaiden came out that same year? That movie was incredible. I don't right. Think, like, 
but I um, mean, you know, Americans don't want to read subtitles. So yeah, totally. It's so boring. Um, yeah. But if you like uh, horror stuff, I'm doing my friend's horror show this year. You should come check it out. Oh, yeah, definitely. Far. And you should come to no, this DJ thing that I'm doing. It's going to be all exactly your it's going to be your demographic. It's, I gonna, saw on your Instagram, the, the is it 90s girls? What is it? Uh, 90s and 2000s is how they pitched it to me. And now they're kind of pitching it online as Nickelodeon Disney. So, which Ooh. is cool. I can, I can make that work. Um, yeah. But once again, I'm like, I, I don't know anything about Big Time Rush. And all the comments are like, play this. Th-. They're asking me to play Lemonade Mouth. And I'm like, oh, what? Mm-hmm. I what? broke down that movie. I'm like, I've That's... never seen that, but they want some song called Determinate. So I had to go and download that. And I'm determinate, like, right. determinate. Yeah. I'm like, it's a right. good one. Hey, you know what? <laughs> I'm cool with it. I'll, I'll, uh, I'll roll with the punches. Yeah. But then you can also educate the children on some of the classic. Oh yeah. Disney I have, um, music. I have some, uh, uh, supernova girl by Christian Rex. Or, uh, yes. Yeah. Uh, of course. from Xenon. I've got da, 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 John. Jump, the house is jumping. Mm-hmm. Jump, jump, the house is jumping. What was that band called? So it's a, a guy just named Chan Andre. Oh, okay. I don't know. Good to know. The The difficult thing is, the last time I DJed in public, it was a 21 and up event. This one's 18 and up. So okay. I'm, you know, playing for an audience that I don't you know i'm not gonna know all the references you know mm-hmm. i have to scour tiktok to be like okay who does the i'd be fucked up if it can't be right here right to find like who is that okay it's the i don't know Roy, yeah. whoever that is and i always like, hear that song um bella porch oh yeah porch and uh who else is popular right now Pink, pink, twirls, 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 glitter, 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 twirls, 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 together forever. Linda and Heather, best friends. That sounds fun. That's a who is that? Live, it's Liv and Maddie from it was a Disney <gasps> Channel show. Oh, I didn't watch I it, love, but I'm like, I never how, watched that. How do I sneak that into my set? Yeah, that was crazy because one girl played Dove Cameron played both twins. Very nice, Dove Cameron. It's very nice to me once. Oh really? She seems so nice. She seems she's beautiful too. I'm like, oh my god, stunning. I like her in it's not what's the not Brigadoon. What's the Schmigadoon? Oh, I have to watch this. Everyone's talking about this. I need to see it. It's not perfect. Um, It's cute. I can't imagine having to play two characters in a multi-camera sitcom. That would be have you broken down Parent Trap? No, not Parent Trap yet. I gotta. Uh, uh, I watched I, it recently on stream and it's so good. And Lindsay Lohan is so good. And it just, yeah. but it, it now feels so bittersweet because you know her whole story. Like, I know. Oh my God. This I know. poor, sweet, incredibly talented little girl. This is a very, sometimes these difficult roles, stop me if I'm talking too much, by the way, but sometimes these difficult roles, like you're going to be playing a little British girl and another one from the, from Napa Valley. Sometimes, like these kids can just knock it out of the park. Henry Thomas from ET. You watch that on yeah. tape, and you're like, "How is it so easy for these kids?" It's because right. they they're you know, they're so young and pure and good hearted. And then right. this, I don't know if it's the industry or what, but it just crushes them. Yeah, it's all the pressure. Britney Spears, all the pressure, all the pressure, and it just—it's so crazy. And I've always been—I would 
love to hear your thoughts on this because I've always thought like it's crazy to see child actors who seem so emotionally mature and self-aware that they can like portray two different characters or pretend to be someone completely different from them. But then also I have the, so, and I love talented child actors like Haley Joel Osment's performance, like Mm -hmm. in the sixth sense. But then I have this thing where I'm like, how do these, how it's work. Like I know what it's like to be on a, a movie set And I know that there are tons of laws about how long they can work per hour, but like, I just can't imagine what, did you find it really stressful, like to be working in television as a teenager? For me personally, look, I started on the show, uh, at like late 17, I turned 18 on the fourth episode. So I don't know. I'm very lucky in that I got to have a full childhood Mm. and you know, had already graduated high school. I graduated at 16. So got it. Smart. um, Smart. So I, I didn't have to, you know, face any of those hurdles. Um, and you know, the rest of the cast as well, were all relatively old. Leon was the youngest started at 15, but you know, he had been working consistently since he was young. So it wasn't like he was on Broadway. I believe he was on Broadway. He was in movies like August rush. Um, so it wasn't like he was just plucked from obscurity. Like I was, I was just a nobody from Long Island. I was, you know, very lucky break, just right place, right time. And, you know, being a devotee of Nickelodeon, watching movies like Good Burger a million times. Right. When the audition came, I knew exactly what they were looking for. So I didn't particularly have a problem with it. It's the after part. That's the problem where, you know, and I get it's, it's almost like, uh, when you get out of college, say, say I went to college with a degree in acting, right. Mm -hmm. Which is what I, my backup plan, I was going to go to Pace. Uh, in New York, um, I would come out with a degree that guarantees absolutely nothing, no work whatsoever. So, you know, it's you go from a structured thing, elementary school to middle school to high school to college, and then you come out the other side and it's like, all right, do right. it, try, d- yep. figure it out. Um, so that's the difficult part. It's the yeah. overwhelming silence that can envelop you afterwards, where it's like, that was just the Kids' Choice Awards. What ha- what happened to all the where where is everybody? Yeah, um, but it's I can imagine that would be like a kind of a disorienting transition. Sure, certainly. Um, but you end up, especially because then also now where we're at, you have so many people who, when they see you, want want you to be the thing that they know you from, and also mm-hmm. every time you check your cell phone. You're the you that is reflected is past iterations of you. Like I still right. get tagged in photos of me from eleven years ago, right? On the show, and I'm like, I'm so happy that you guys appreciate this. It does not represent who I am or where I'm at in my life. Um, but once you know, I was mentioning earlier, like it doesn't particularly bother me. It's just weird, and I'm I'm trying to make the trying to make strides now in re. Uh, introducing myself to the people who grew up watching the show and be like, Hey, I know you loved that. Um, here's more things about me in a very right. casual way. Like I also do this. I DJ or I play music or I like Fortnite or whatever it is. And right. you're not going to win them all. You're not going to convince everybody. Like some people are still going to look at you and go, ah, you're Robbie. You're just, sure. you're, it's you. But if you get a small subsect, who are like, hey, actually, that's this guy's not the worst. He's pretty cool. Yeah. And that's all you can hope for. 
Totally. I mean, I think it makes sense. Like this platform from that role exposed you to so many millions of people that it's just about converting down that funnel to people who enjoy you beyond just the character or the nostalgia of the TV show that you were a part of to you as a, as an artist and an entertainer. So on that, what, where can everybody find you? Where should everybody be following you? At Matt Bennett across the board, except I think on Twitch, I'm Mott Bonnot, M-O-T-T-B-O-N-N-O-T-T. Uh, yeah, I regularly update Instagram, Twitter. You can find me across those platforms. TikTok, I'm on. And you stream on Twitch, you said, yes? Yes, yeah, at Mott Bonnot. Awesome. We do fun things like watch movies and junk like that. Amazing. Um, and then mention again for the locals in California where we can catch you DJ. Oh, sure. I'm doing Club 90s at 1720 uh, this Saturday. I don't know if it's going to be up in time, but um, I, I have a couple other things lined up, a couple other DJ gigs. So just follow me on the social media platforms, and uh, I'm sure you can find an opportunity to come and see me in person and squeeze my cheeks. Don't literally, but <laughs> yeah. you're, like, you're real. I'm going to I'm gonna come to the show, and I'm going to yeah, squeeze your do. cheeks right off. I'm gonna I think it's going to be right up off. your alley. It's going to be so much lemonade mouth. Yes. It's and I know the so... dance. Okay. Is that the dance? Do you do like you're now. drinking a can of lemonade? It's bad. <laughs> the movie is bad. I'm but I got I got torn apart for telling the truth about how bad it was because people a little bit younger than us, it's like their high school musical. Oh boy! So there you go. Anyway, thank you so much, Matt, for offering to be a part of the faking of it means so much to me and your perspective on this movie has been so fascinating um happy to is be there anything service. else you want to say before we part ways um thank you nick and uh nick 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 is it nick deramio how do you pronounce nick deramio nick deramio yeah, i don't know if you pronounce like nick deramio or I think I say all sorts of stuff. I say Deramio or Deramio or Deramio. I just parrot back what I hear. But I think in real Italian, it's like Diramario. And I'm like, I don't have, why are there so many syllables? So Nick Deramio, I like. Nick Deramio, da 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 da. I used to get that a lot as a kid, like in first grade when that was the the tag. And I was like, stop it. Stop it, guys. I hate (laughs) it. But like loved it. Were you voted, you know, most likely to be on Nickelodeon or SNL in your yearbook or anything like that? No, no, I don't think I was. Oh, maybe um, because I was in all the musicals. I was known for being in the musicals. So probably most likely to be on Broadway, Uh, I think would have been my senior superlative. Who who were you in Les Mis? Oh, it was like ensemble always. I never really had a good role until like my senior year of high school when I got to be someone in All Shook Up, which is a jukebox musical of yeah. Elvis music, which yeah. like maybe right. maybe don't make that. That's yeah, thing. not really. <laughs> not my thing. Thank you so much again for being here. And thank you, everybody, for tuning in to The Faking Of. Don't forget to like, comment, rate, and subscribe to this podcast. And I will see you back here for another breakdown of an iconic movie. Bye.